I'll ask uh, Wuzzy, Warren Harold, and uh, Stuart Dando on the line now. Uh, how do you sleep when your beds are burning? Good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> I sleep like a baby at night. Good morning. You know, <laughs> I sleep. I sleep a little bit. I cry a little bit. I sleep a little bit. Yeah, of course. Mr. Dendo, how are you this morning, sir? I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, morning, everyone. How is uh, how is the team? You, we are. Good we morning. are. We are on, man. We are on. You sound like you're in a much better space this week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was a little, I was a little depro. I think the kids say. I think it's depro. I think they say. Yeah, I was a little depro last week, but I'm in far higher spirits this morning. All right. Well, that's good to hear, guys. Uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy week this past week. Well, tell us uh, what's on, uh, what, what's on the agenda for today in the weekly squawk. Well, I see, uh, Stuart. You want to tell us? I, I see Stephen Kurtzus wrote a, a rather interesting piece um, in the Daily Maverick. Um, do you want to take us through you? You're, you've headed this, um, it says, uh, pandemics versus politics, which seems very interesting. And, and yeah, it seems people are trying to score points. Um, yeah, I think it's 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 not it's not it's nothing new. I think uh, a lot of things, if you even if we take our cue from the states, I mean, almost everything in the states is politicized. It doesn't yes. matter what it is. So in the early stages of the pandemic, it was very much a focus on what is it, how bad is it going to be, how can we fight it. Um, but that as soon as there is any any sort of sort of a clearer trajectory of where it goes, then politics begin to insidiously creep back in. Um, and I think that's what we've obviously seen in the States and we're starting to see it here as well. Um, you know, the EFF who sort of were fairly quiet and are becoming a little bit more noisy. You're starting to see certain ministers becoming a little bit more noisy. Um, and I think, I think that is, look, it's indicative of a robust democracy, but it also is, I think, to some degree indicative of some politicians who over the last couple of weeks have enjoyed an elevation in their power. Um, and are now grappling with the reality that is, as soon as lockdown starts to ease, they see that as the equivalent of their power easing. And I think you're going to see some kickback, and I think that could manifest in some very worrying ways. I see. Um, it, it almost seems if, and yes, if we've got John Stiernazen uh, on the DA on the one end, you know, threatening to to go to court. I don't know if he, if he is. Makes a refreshing but, change. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it just... Um, but it seems as though um, the factions within the ANC might be rearing their heads again. Look, I think there is always going to be that noise. Um, you've got, you've obviously got your, you've got the economy, you've got your, your your populist views, you've got your views on the poor, and so on and so forth. So I think those are always going to be forces that fight. Um, but ultimately, we all have to be focusing on the same thing here. Now, in, initially, it was the lockdown, and there was there was broad, broad support for the lockdown. But now we seem to be in a state of limbo, where the balancing act between saving lives and saving the economy now has now become sort of two competing forces. Yeah. And the one school of thought says to keep the lockdown for as long as possible, um, and you know, whenever damage gets done to the economy, get gets done. And then there's the other school of thought that says, well, without the economy, we've got lives and livelihoods at risk. So yes, they, yes. They, 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 and these, these two are battling. I mean, I've made my views quite clear. I think ultimately we need to reopen the economy, but mm. simultaneously we need to protect the poor, the old and um, the sick. I, just wanna... um, and I know that's easy to say. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Sorry, Stuart. I just want to point out, Lacedi is currently uh, watching here live the, uh, the minister of uh, the the what which minister is this? Social development. Social development. Who's speaking live? So just want to point that out. Ah. Okay. 
Um, um, I, I see the NGOs are actually talking about the long, hungry queues for food parcels, hey, uh, Stuart, that, um, that people just can't get enough food and, and they're running out of uh, these food parcels. You know what? I think they speak about, there's a concept that speaks about the, you know, politic, uh, the politics of the stomach. And um, mm-hmm. there is a phrase, or at least there's a very, a very famous quote that says, when you are hungry, uh, little yes. else matters. Little else. When little your child else. is hungry. When your child is hungry, nothing yeah. else matters. Nothing else matters. And I think yes. I think you can probably distill you can probably distill that sentiment even further by saying the people will only queue for food for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I Before think that's things get out point. of hand. I think that's the, and I don't I don't even want to go down that road, but I think yeah. it's, it's, it's a reality that we need to face. And we yeah. have obviously a very skewed reality in this country and we need to look after the poor and the hungry. Yeah. There's yes. no other option. Couldn't agree more, and of course we also have this, um, or almost legacy of violence. Um, so you know, if as soon as something happens, um, you know, mm. the, the masses can turn violent, and then of course it's not good for us, it's not good for the economy. But it looks like the South African Reserve Bank has uh, stood true to its word, um, doubling their efforts. Uh, do you want to go through that with us? Yeah, so the the South African Reserve Bank um, sort of made a statement that what they would do is they would move to ensure liquidity in our bond market. So midway through March, there was a lot of foreign selling of our debt. And what happened is because a lot of people sold it, the prices of our bonds went down and the yields uh, simultaneously go up. Yes. Um, And the liquidity, liquidity is obviously the important thing for a country. So the South African Reserve Bank said that um, if they if they needed to intervene, they would. Um, and a distinction needs to be made between what they call the primary market, which is when bonds are first issued by the government, and the secondary market, where bonds are traded among investors. So the South African Reserve Bank made it very clear that they would intervene into the secondary market just to ensure that there was liquidity. And another distinction that needs to be made here, it's very important that the bank wasn't looking to buy debt to put it onto its balance sheet. It was basically mm. looking to be a seller and a buyer to make sure that there was liquidity. If you look at um, if you look at March, the the bank bought about one billion rands worth of bonds. In April, yeah. the bank bought just over ten billion rands worth of bonds, which basically wow. doubled it, doubles its position. So it just goes to show you how much volatility there has been. Yeah. So so it's it's, it's I see over here it stands now at around twenty point six five billion. So I Correct. mean that's 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 really that's 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 crazy money. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's all it's all relative. It's all relative. If you consider how much debt is out there, it's it's quite a small portion, but it all does right. it does signal and is proof of the South African Reserve Bank uh, their intent to make good on their promise to just make sure liquidity exists because that's very important. So it's a good thing. Yes, ultimately it is. And then and then from from uh, going to from that rather good news, we're going to go into something a little bit more. Uh, um, well, the headline is worse. No, worse. Um, talking about the IMF. Correct. So the IMF um, is the International Monetary Fund. They came out about six weeks ago with a forecast that said on average global GDP would have contracted by somewhere between 3 and 3.2%. Um, their managing director, a lady by the name of uh, Kristalina Georgieva, uh, has come out and said that, that uh, those numbers um, we're probably a little bit optimistic because they've now had a flood of incoming uh, incoming data and they're now revising their projections. One of those, obviously, is the jobless numbers in the in the states, which has been astronomical. Um, so I've got a little quote here that says, "Incoming economic data from uh, for many countries is below our, our already permit, uh, pessimistic assessment for 2020, and with no immediate medical solutions, more adverse scenarios might unfortunately materialize uh, materialize for some economies." 
So that does not bode well for the global economy. So uh, um, a recession, sort of, a, you know, a, a, a contraction of around three um, percent on in any given situation would have been dire. But it seems that that in that even is going to be too optimistic. So wow. um, worse, worse before it gets better. Wow, my goodness. Um, um, I see. I want to come back to the the the, the Bitcoin because that it kind of ties in. With something else that I was I was having. Yeah, Wazzy, please um, tell us about Bitcoin uh, because this is something I love. This week's article with um, uh, where you said the trigger, not the cause, um, which kind of leads on to you know that we've had this eleven years uh, in in terms of the bull run, um, mm. and it's it's time it's it's time for us let's let's call it the, yeah it's not just going to be a correction um, it's going to be a depression. Uh, <laughs> a, recession, <laughs> I say. a recession. A uh, recession. Yeah, let's not get into the technicalities of a recession yeah. versus depression, but it is going to be. It Stuart, is going Heidi does. Going to be a recession. Yeah. <laughs> uh, does. Welcome to my garden. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say live from South Africa. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what the Hadi does think about the Bitcoin because I'm very interested in this. I'm not entirely sure, but the the Hardy Dars were a trade-off between that or a a rather noisy six-year-old and a Boston (laughs) Terrier um, that I've had to put, I've had to relegate to indoors. So it became a toss-up between staying indoors or staying outdoors. Shame. So no, in terms of the trigger, not the cause. I mean, like you said, Warren, it's been a, it's been a since the 2008-2009 global financial crisis. The the world, largely led by the U.S., has been in an expansionary period. So sort of positive GDP growth year on year. Um, it has been sort of fairly slow if you look at figures based on sort of the world post-World War II. Um, so those figures are below the averages. So it's been fairly, it's been fairly uh, sort of, not, not slow, it's been fairly weak, but it has definitely been the longest bull run in history, 11 years. If you look at the average bull run, that's about four and a half years. Um, the average bear, bear sort of a market contraction, that's around 15 months. So it definitely has been the longest in history. So there is a school of thought that says the world needed to correct uh, because yes. nothing can go up forever. Um, and then COVID-19 came along and that um, that gave the market uh, a reason to do that. So you would have seen the initial reaction Jan Feb. Um, but mm-hmm. now we're seeing material responses. So economies that yeah. are actually definitely shrinking, job losses, those mm-hmm. types of things. So it, yeah. it very much was the trigger, not the cause. But now we're seeing the actual effects. Um, so, yeah. Almost almost can be compared to um, our downgrade, you know, South Africa's downgrade. I mean, we were headed down that road anyway. COVID came along and it was also just like, OK, well, now we're downgraded. You know, it, it was on the cards anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think I think that's fairly. I think people who I think a lot of market market commentators w- would agree with that. They'd say the, 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 um, our our status in investment grade was probably artificial to a large degree, depending on mm-hmm. depending on the methodology of the different ratings agencies. Moody's have a different methodology than the other two, and that's how we managed to cling with our fingernails to our last uh, uh, investment exactly. grade. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was, uh, that was taken away from us. But you've got to look at the world in context. We're not we're not the only ones in in this boat. I mean, the UK also had their had their um, they had a down downgrade recently as well. Um, and I don't want to go into the, the technicalities, but what you've had after 10, 11 years of, um, of a bull run is you've had a lot of low interest rates and you've had a lot of cheap debt in the system. Mm. Um, and that sort of artificially floats some of those ratings. So I, th- I don't think it came as a surprise to many that, uh, and, and this will continue, you will continue to see these downgrades happen. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So speaking, speaking of artificial, um, <laughs> but 
Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. You're going to need to break this down and explain to me like a two year old uh, what when you say that a Bitcoin getting cut in half, it, it almost seems like inflation, which didn't make sense to me. Uh, school us to do it. Oh, um, if there are any if there are any Bitcoin bulls listening, I'm going to apologize beforehand. I'm not a Bitcoin fan. <clears throat> I don't think I don't believe Bitcoin is sort of a, a store of value at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of people there are a lot of people that would disagree with that. There are a lot of people that think cryptos are the way to go. I, for one, very much am sort of in favor or very much positive on the technology that backs Bitcoin, which is blockchain technology. I think that's going to change the world. But I think Bitcoin, in in and of itself, um, I don't want to say fad. Uh, but to a large degree, I think it is its value to a large degree, I think, is is artificial. And the the variables that move the Bitcoin price um, are very, very different to those in the fundamental world. Uh, but anyway, not to get too technical. So what happens is Bitcoins are mined um, every time they, they solve these long algorithmic, um, I think they're called, I'm trying to think what they're called. Uh, what are they called? I'll get the technical term for you. But basically, these miners get rewarded in Bitcoin that they can then use. Um, but there are only a finite number of Bitcoins. So every time a Bitcoin gets mined, you're closer and closer to a date where the value of that Bitcoin gets cut in half. Yes. And that yes. will continue until all Bitcoins are in the system. It is currently estimated that should be around the year 2140. And at that point, um, there'll be no more Bitcoins to be rewarded by. So what will happen is the guys that were mining it will get rewarded with fees for processing transactions that network users will pay. Um, and it will continue to halve right until 21 million, um, 21 million Bitcoins are sort of Bitcoin are in the system. Um, I think in circulation, there are just under 18 and a half million thus far. So yeah, I think, and uh, I don't want to get too technical on Bitcoin, but I, 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 whenever someone says to me, should I, should I invest in Bitcoin? I said, well, that's, I said, well, that's, that's, that there are two things I'd like to add. Firstly, no one invests in Bitcoin. You speculate in Bitcoin. And the second thing is I want you to imagine the following scenario. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to go to a casino. I want you to go to the roulette table and I want you to bet a certain amount of money all on red. I then want you to lose. And in your mind, how big does that amount of money have to be before that becomes an uncomfortable loss? Whatever the amount of money is just before that, that's what you need to put into Bitcoin. That's a wow. Okay, that does uh, give it. Uh, I know. And there a, will be a lot of people that disagree with that, but so yeah. be it. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few mates that are, you know, that. I'm, the thing about Bitcoin people is they're either all in it, or, or or you either like it or you don't. And I think I I, I see where you guys stand, but I've I've heard it from a lot of people. I had one guy years ago on Facebook. He was such a Bitcoin enthusiast. If you dared to question anything, and he would just come at you guns blazing. And I had, I just had to ask myself, you know, is, is it something like I don't even, I, I still don't understand Bitcoin, to this day. Oh, sorry, that term. Sorry, as you were talking, that term came to me. It's called a cryptographic hash. <laughs> they that, that, Dustin, they does that, does that sort of hashes. Yes. So yeah. I think that's, that that explains everything for you. With, regards to bitcoin right yeah pretty much i guess i i still don't i look i don't know i'm i'm very curious about it but i don't like i don't know anything about it so it it just it's one of those things that i mean at, at you said the year 2149 or something it's 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 gonna level off is that what you said um 20 21 million coins 21 million coins will be an issue and then they will be traded um there, there are a lot of things i mean so bitcoin to some degree is driven the price is is driven by a hype and fear. Yeah. Sort of, it's driven. It came. It. It was. Um. I think. 
trying to think of the gentleman's name. Nakamura Satoshi, I think, was the gentleman. I think that was his the name, the, the, the inventor, although yeah. no one says they've seen his face. Yeah. Um, and it all came out of the the failings of the capitalist system and central banks controlling monetary policy and all those types of things. They sure. wanted a decentralized monetary system that was mm. controlled by whoever sort of was in possession and Not there was a ledger and a really shared ledger yeah. correct, correctly. And I can see I can see that there is some sex appeal to that. Yeah. Um, and I can see that. But again, it's largely driven by sort of driven by hype and fear, and it's becoming more and more expensive to mine these coins. And also, right, um, right now is a great yes. time to market something with hype and fear. I mean, look at the way people are jumping off the <laughs> Titanic as we speak. So, it's, uh, I mean, it's 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 getting a bit crazy, isn't yeah. it, gents? Yeah. Um, Stuart, um, I see that. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's 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 part of your mandate is tracking the rand versus dollar but i mean we dipped to 19 dollars what was it 35 at one stage during yes. the week I, I see that we have clawed back slightly um you know trading trading you said this morning now at um uh, 18.25 i see the 18.25.98 mm. um I, I see brent crude oil is still trading at less than it costs them to produce a barrel. Um, wow. What's going on with the RAND? Um, um, I read something very interesting that you were saying that it's now time. Oh, no, in fact, this article that I just read, they were saying that um, it's now time that they think that perhaps it's it's over-traded. Um, it's, it's done. They, they, they talk about um, something called... Uh, uh, the commodity future traders. Um, sorry, what was that word? I thought I've got to ask you about it. Um, oh, my word. We're going to have to chat about it next week. Um, talk to us about your jargon of the week. My favorite part of every single week, you know, <laughs> a coverage a coverage ratio. It's it, it, Yeah, it, I mean, talk about sexy. That sounds sexy. Oh, baby, oh, baby, <laughs> what, oh, baby. What's your... Yeah, what is your coverage ratio? <laughs> I, I sincerely hope that mocking tone is um, is is by accident, not by design. <laughs> no, it is ratio. totally by so, accident, sir. So a coverage ratio, broadly speaking, is a, a sort of a, a group of measures of a, a company's ability to service its debt and meet its financial obligations. So it's almost like a like a health check on a business oh. um, in terms of how much. Of it's Pays it, you know, so it, it can pay its interest payments and its dividends. So it, it stands to reason the higher the coverage ratio, uh, the easier it should be for those interest payments to be made. And it's a trend that analysts look at over time to assess uh, a company's financial position and ultimately, ultimately their financial health. So it's actually oh. quite a straightforward concept, just looking okay. at how much of their debt obligations and you know that they can cover. And obviously, uh, these are going to be put under a lot of pressure. <clears throat> excuse me, in the in the, you know in the coming weeks and months with the situation yes. we find ourselves in. It's, it would be the same as what kind of our credit check. You know, I want to go buy a house. They do a credit check for me. Can you afford it? Kind of stuff. Uh, same same sort of thing for a company, a coverage ratio. Um, very, very, very simplistically, uh, but this yes. is more coverage ratio is more looked at over time as opposed to Warren's Warren's sort of credit worthiness at the time he buys a house. This would be sort of more over time, and it sort of assesses changes in how a company is able to cover interest payments and dividends and debt wow, obligations. Okay. Those things. So a, a, a little bit more sort of uh, uh, in depth than can you afford it right now. Mr. Uh, yeah. Dando, thank you so much. As as usual, extremely interesting. Thank you for your time. Um, uh, you know, we, we always enjoy spending a few minutes with you on a Monday morning. 
Anything yes, we do. Side, Dustin. Uh, no, that's uh, I, I. I was interested with the Bitcoin bit. Uh, bit, get it? Bitcoin bit. But uh, I'm just yeah, watching. Nice. I'm watching these these uh, oil prices, uh, the prices of uh, Brent crude, and and watching how the the, the price of petrol went. Uh, and the local station here is twelve rand two uh, per liter. Yeah. Uh, it went down in the middle of the week last week, and that was something that I forgot to mention up front, but. Obviously, you guys covered. And uh, no, we definitely, we love these. And if you missed any part of it, of course, we'll podcast it later today. Our podcasts are getting a lot of hits, by the way. So people are enjoying uh, hearing what you guys have to say on a Monday each week with a weekly squawk. Yeah. So, Stuart, um, yeah, just a quick question for Stuart. Stuart? Yes. Uh, can yes. you Can you please do us a favor? Will you get? Can you get me a recording of your hottie dogs? Recording of- so that I can, <laughs> I want to make a little promo for the weekly squawk, and I think that was perfect. Wow! I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that I would like my weekly, uh, weekly podcast reduced to the sound of a heart. You know, I'm not, I'm not entirely comfortable with that concept. So, with respect, no. Oh gosh! Well, we got to, we got to come up with some little intro or something. So we'll, we'll see what we can do. But uh, Wazi. Sure. I got, I got that that word I was looking for, Stuart. Um, um, the RSI, so what the the, the relative strength index of the yeah. rand, yes, um, yeah. has moved above seventy, and that level suggests that some traders uh, will now sell off. That the sell off has gone too far. Um, uh, yes, it sounds yeah. like something I need you to unpack. It seems a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I normally apply the RSI to stock specifics. I haven't really applied it to the rand. Um, right. the, the the measure the measure that I usually use, which is probably something sort of again simplistically similar, is something called the price uh, price purchasing parity, yeah. which basically looks at a currency tracked against uh, another currency and how those two currencies can purchase an identical basket of goods and how much that uh, changes over time. And we normally look at the USD versus ZAR or the South African rand. Mm-hmm. And if you look at that purchasing power parity. You're looking at fair price for the rand somewhere in the region of 14.50 to around 15. Um, the fact that EM, so emerging markets have suffered, which means South Africa suffers, which means the rand suffers, which means our bonds suffer, and people just start selling out. But that that move was largely overdone. At, at, at over 19, I think a lot of people, a lot of yeah. traders, were saying that's largely overdone, and you would have seen that come back a little. Currently, at around 18.30. Um, I still think there is some strength to come back into the system. A lot mm. of the, the debt has moved out of the, the world government bond index now. Um, and a lot of that debt has been picked mm. up. And I think you will see some, I think you will see some appetite for some real yields going forward. And you would have seen that in the bond market. I mean, the R186 is currently trading at just under seven, sort of a yield of 7.7. I think last week it was as, it was as high as 9.1. So obviously that is showing some appetite for those bonds. So yeah. Um, I do think you will see some more strength in the rand going forward. But that said, things change on a daily basis. Um, I, I so lovely, it's a very fluid. Yeah, it's a very fluid. It's a very fluid. Come come this time next week, we may be having a very different conversation. Oh. <laughs> and, we shall and, see. And with that, I, yeah, with that, I say God bless you all. Um, uh, Stuart, thanks for your time again. God bless, God bless you, God everyone. Bless everyone uh, uh, God bless you guys and we'll chat again on Wednesday Dustin with David yes of course with uh, David Duar from uh, Thompson Wilkes